Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. So uh, usually we give a little uh, synopsis, I guess, of the person that we're interviewing up front. So it's Laura Sturm. Sturm. Yeah. Sturm. Rhymes with worm. Sturm. Sturm. Or sperm. They used to call me that as a child and I cried a lot, but I'm okay with it now. (laughs) Kids. I've accepted it. moved on. (laughs) It's Uh, funny the things that are very painful as, as we are children. Right. Yeah, because right. as a little kid, you even know much about what a sperm is. I guess a sperm whale, but... Oh, that's... I just knew it was something dirty, and I didn't want it associated with yeah. Now, <laughs> you know, I mean, without sperm, where would we be, right? Exactly. There's <laughs> so many other things you could be called. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and you are an actor, and you're a coach, uh, and your coachings are movement, voice, and acting, or do you focus on yeah. one or two of them? Um, kind of do I mostly them? focus on movement and acting, but I also, I've taught voice classes. I'm a teacher as well. So I teach movement classes and acting classes and voice classes. I would argue that I primarily focus on acting and movement. Though. But sometimes people want a voice teacher too. And so I do it all. <laughs> <laughs> You know how it goes. They want somebody that can do everything. And I was like, okay, I'll teach a movement class. And after teaching a mo- uh, voice class, I was like, okay, now I can teach voice class. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got an MFA. I was trained and I just need to lo- spend a little extra time to learn how. And so, <laughs> right. yeah. But, but uh, my forte is acting and movement. So nice. Uh, and you are in Illinois. It looks like you've been there for Chicago. quite some time. Oh, you're in Chicago. Okay. Uh, So were you born and raised in Illinois? Not really. I actually grew up in North Carolina. Oh, interesting. Um, I know. And uh, yeah, and that's part of how I ended up in theater, actually, is because I grew up in North Carolina and thought that it would be fun to be, well, it would be practical to be an accountant. And so yes. I got an accounting degree and, and discovered theater and was like, oh, this is really fun. I can do this part time. And then uh, I started discovering that I didn't want to do it part time. And I had a girlfriend who was in law school in Chicago and she said, hey, I need a roommate and you need to get out of North Carolina. <laughs> and I said, okay. I was like 26. And so I just up and moved to Chicago so I could get some acting training. And then I started taking classes and I about five years worth of classes and performing professionally and stuff. And then I, I followed a movement teacher out to NIU, which is the uh, Northern Illinois University, which is about an hour and a half outside of Chicago to study movement and Meisner acting out there. And three years later, I came back to Chicago with an MFA and I've been teaching ever since, still performing and then directing and, and also coaching as well. Wow. I love how people, it's always interesting to see how people start. Some people like, right? I was two years old and saw a dance recital and wanted to be a dancer. And then there's me and Cindy who were like, well, a friend was in a school play in high school. So we joined as tech. We got and- like dragged into it, not by choice. And we went That's- kicking and screaming the whole way. Right? And-, and then you were like, hey. And then, yeah, we just kept <laughs> doing it. Do for a living. <laughs> That's exactly. awesome. Yeah, no, actually, that that happened to me too. When I was in high school, I went to see a friend in a show, and I went, "Oh, she looks like she's having so much fun. I want to do that." And so <laughs> then I started, but I was also very practical, and you know, you know, your parents are like, "You're going to have to pay your own way." So I said, "Okay, accounting will probably do that better." So yep. I got my first master's degree in accounting, and um, and the so second one masters. in theater. I wow. do, I do. I'm crazy. <laughs> I like yeah. school. <laughs> do you use it at all? I do, actually. I do a lot of theater work, but um, I accounting gives me health insurance. That's true. Do you find that it's helpful? Uh, I was talking to Cindy a while ago, and so many, uh, we're both independent contractors, or mm-hmm. she mostly is, and I jump back and forth. 
do you find it really helpful at the end of the year to get all of your taxes and stuff done with because you know the accounting rules and you know how to keep a book and pay attention to mileage and expenses and income and what a 1099 versus I nine versus everything else. It is nice that I understand it. Um, it's funny because sometimes my friends will be like, oh, well, I got this thing. And I'll be like, oh, well, if you do this and you do Schedule C and blah, 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 you could take all these deductions. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. You're amazing. And I'm like, well, it's it's really not that hard. Um, and I don't, I haven't done tax <laughs> returns in like 20 years, but you know, if you could read the instructions. So, so yeah, I give tips and stuff. And um, I will, I will say that being an independent contractor, as you probably know, is is time consuming, like pulling all the receipts together. So I'm always a little behind in my tax returns. And my friends are all like, wait, how, how are you behind? You, you're an accountant. I'm like, okay, I'm only sort of an accountant. I'm really an actor teacher. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I know the rules well enough to know how late I can be on filing my tax returns. <laughs> Got to know the rules to figure out how to break the rules. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's really, I mean, that's, that's, I teach period style too. And that's what I teach my students. I was like, here, I'm going to teach you the rules of the society. And then you can decide how much you want to break them, how much your character wants to break them. So yeah, that, that works in a lot of ways. That is excellent. That's how uh, our parents have a independent, they own their own business. It's just the two of them. And so our dad did taxes for years. He still does everybody in the family's taxes. So we've always known how to do that stuff and schedule C and collecting receipts. And he actually made us a book the first couple years. I think we were in college or right out at college. And it was a three ring binder. And it had the months, like the calendar open up pages months. And in between each of those had a clear plastic, um, page protector sheet and so we were supposed to write down all where we drove every day or what contract we had or what we did and then all of that month's receipts went in that file folder uh then at the end of the year we had a file folder full of all the the you know everything we did with contracts and bills and checks and payments and all that and what a very organized man (laughs) yeah then we have to sit down in excel and have it all typed up so we can calculate am i getting more money if i take the standard deduction am i getting more money if i take the Mm -hmm. mileage what did we start the car at what did we end the car at how much of that was personal how much of that was something else and so when people don't understand taxes, I'm like, wait, your dad didn't make you do this for years growing <laughs> up? I just thought that was normal. <laughs> but, but I don't, it, you it use that, I don't know if I ever actually used that. I would like stick everything in folders and then at the end of the year, I would have to sit down there for like six hours and like sort everything. See, but, I think that's my problem too, is I like, I keep it all sort of loosely tracked, but it's the organization yeah. and people are like, oh, you could pay somebody to do that. I'm like, no, the taxes are easy. It's the organization, it's, exactly. <laughs> but nobody can do it but me. <laughs> yeah, no, I try to remember, sometimes I don't do it every month, but when I get a big enough pile, I definitely sit down and go through and put them in there month by month thing. Very and I've even tried now that I'm more independent contractor tried to update my uh, list of what reimbursements do I have you know submitted to people I haven't gotten back what paychecks Mm -hmm. am I working on contracts for that I haven't been paid for when am I going to get those uh, and all that because otherwise in three months I'm not going to remember any of that shit and I'm still trying to I'm still waiting on a reimbursement from a job (laughs) I did like a month and a half ago and it was only because I was looking at my list and I was like oh yeah I don't think I've received that check Right. So definitely. No, those, those, those skills do come in handy. I mean, also like as a director, you know, people joke about it, but I'm like, you know, I understand a budget better than a lot and I can do all sorts of magic things with Excel and I'm <laughs> no stranger to that. And I know a lot of directors that are like, yeah, numbers, whatever. No, I'm actually really good with the numbers. And also I'm going to arrange the numbers so that you're not going to be wasting your time. Cause I'm also an actor and I, it is my the thing that I hate the most is when directors call you in and you're not like needed for rehearsal. So I mm-hmm. actually use my organizational skills to ensure that people are called when they're needed and not when they're not needed. And that's just something I don't know. That's a personal thing. It takes some extra time, but to me, it's worth it because it stresses me out when there are people in the room. They're like, "Hey, I mean, nobody's getting paid enough in this business, right? Unless exactly. you're, you yep. know, Angelina yep. Jolie." So for the rest of us. <laughs> We got other things to do, right? 
So I, I, I know. So I use my skills that way too. That's excellent. So did you, yeah, really agree. Did you start out? How did you start out as a performer first and then director second? I was a performer first. Yeah. So I, I moved to Chicago, started taking acting classes and then, and then I, um, I was the assistant director for, acting teacher for a play called the American dream, Edward Albee. You mm-hmm. may have heard of it. And, um, I went, wow, this is really cool. I kind of like this. And so that sort of, I had wanted to go to grad school, but I had I'd wanted to go to be a better actor, but once I, I, I did this assistant directing gig, I was like, I kind of think I want to direct too. So when I went to grad school, I did focus on acting, but we took a directing class. And then right before I graduated, I went, Hey, I want to know if I can direct. And so I'm just going to direct a play. And in school, that's really easy because you have spaces and you have Mm -hmm. people, if you talk really nicely to the costume department and the props department, exactly. Plus lots of bodies that you don't have to pay. So I just up and said, okay, I'm going to see if I can do it. I pulled together a couple of one acts and went, oh, wow, I really love this. And so I, once I got out of school, I started directing more. I mean, I do a lot, like I said, I I came out of school teaching, even when I was in school, I knew I wanted to be a teacher as well as an actor. So not only did I take the classes, but I'd sit back and I'm like, like I'd sit in the first year classes as a third year and to sort of teacher train and, and just sort of (laughs) understand like why the teachers were having us do certain things and that sort of thing. So I did a lot of that. And so, cause I knew that's what I wanted to do. And when I came out of school, I started working, ironically at the place that I had studied before I went to school. Um, it's a, a, there was a school called the Actor Center in Chicago that had been around for like 20 years. And I studied there. It's, it was primarily a Meisner school. And they brought me in to teach movement. And eventually I ended up teaching Meisner there too, because I'd been through the program. But but I feel like a lot of where I got that was sitting in on classes and, and learning teacher training, basically. And so at as a lot of the, te- the the directing at first was coaching, right? Because that's what you learn as a teacher. You learn to coach actors to be better actors. So, mm-hmm. the part of my directing that's still growing, I would say, I, I'm pretty good at directing actors. What I'm still learning is sort of the bigger picture, right? I'm I'm getting better at that, and uh, I and so I will do shows like um, I work with a theater called Organic Theater Company, and last summer we did King Ubu, uh, which was uh, an adaptation of Ubu Roy, um, which is a crazy show. If you know it, it's Alfred Jarry. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't think I've ever actually read it. Like, it's a, a name that I've seen around there. But. Yeah, it's it's something that you may have heard about in grad school or, or BFA or whatever. But um, oh, yeah, it's like a century French play sort of started the absurdist moment. But it's absurd. And you read it and you're like, this is weird and awful. and I have no idea what to do with it. So I trusted the director and I was like, yes, I want to be in this because... I have no idea how to do this. So being an actor in a show like that, you learn an immense amount of like ideas. And and this director, uh, this was a director who who teaches at NIU and uh, he works with a lot of actors from that program. And so we did a lot of devising and stuff, which again, wasn't my background, but as a director, it's amazing. And I, I do also come from a movement background. So I do a lot of work where I'm like, okay, let's move and see where it comes from. And eventually, somebody's like oh yeah that's devising and I'm like okay okay so Mm -hmm. I'm doing a little bit of that so I feel like as a director I'm still you know I've directed six or seven or eight shows I'm still learning I'm still growing um I'm I'm a great acting coach because I've been doing that for almost 20 years now um but that's you know we're we're always learning right and so I'm always excited to try new things so what's the difference for you between you kind of mentioned this earlier about like Mm -hmm coaching actors and directing actors versus the the bigger picture I know for me and just the uh, directors I've worked with in opera what that means but what what does it mean to you if you could explain it to somebody because I you know I feel like a lot of people just have a narrower view of what directing is you know so a lot of people I feel like it is literally just directing the performers and not the bigger picture well I mean there's there's 
definitely just like sort of looking at the spine of the piece and and what you want to say about the piece, right? And mm-hmm. to me, that that's where you start, and and then you look at all the scenes and how they support that. Um, that's a very very tiny version of like big picture directing, right? There's whole books devo- devoted to that. Um, but then then the next piece, and this is more practical, is like moving people around the stage, right? You've got to you've got to make the stage picture and that sort of thing. That's also incredibly important because no matter how genius your ideas are, if we can't see the actors, we don't care, right? So really super important. Um, so there's that piece of it, and then what I think is really important and what get, gets missed sometimes in the big picture or even in the moving people around picture is the acting work. And um, and that's just making sure that the communication is truthful, that we're moment to moment believable. And then that, that's sort of the bottom line, like general acting stuff. And then on top of that, making it very specific so we don't get one note performances. And I'll be frank, sometimes as a director, that's a lot to keep track of, which is why a lot of uh, directors will have an acting coach. And so I've been hired to act and coach certain productions, especially with directors that are not like, I mean, I'm an acting teacher, so I know what to say to actors. So I have friends that are less experienced that will hire me to be an acting coach. And I'll be like, oh, wait, this is the problem with this scene. This person doesn't understand what they're talking about, or they haven't deepened their meanings or that sort of thing. So I sort of have a shorthand lingo that I can speak to actors and say, okay, this is why this isn't working. Let me help you out. And, um, I don't know. I'm a pretty positive person instead of, you know, my teachers were always like, directors are going to scream at you and make you cry. And I was like, well, that sucks. I'm just not that person. (laughs) I don't want to work with those people unless they're paying me a whole lot of money. And even then I'm not sure it's worth it. Right. So I try to be incredibly positive, but also just to sort of push actors, you know, to, and, and be like, okay, this is great. And now, you know, what, what is this moment and helping them find that moment or just saying, okay, you've been yelling at your partner for a few minutes. That's not getting you anywhere. Let's try another tactic. And they'll be like, oh, that's a good idea. And then the good news is that actors have a sense of when things are going well. And so when you start helping them, they start to feel better because they're like, oh, this is working better. And you know, working, mm-hmm. when actors feel good, they do magic. They, yeah. When actors yeah. feel scared, they're scary. <laughs> Believe me, I'm an actor. We we get, the only time that actors really get like diva is that when we're scared, right? And we don't feel safe. And so I believe part of my job is to make an actor feel safe, a safe place to take risks because the theater is a about taking risks, right? But to have a space where we know that we're safe to fall, right? That's, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's sort of where I come from. No, Cindy, well, I don't deal with actors as much, but Cindy's definitely talked about how her job is to make it, you know, make everybody safe and comfortable and moving forward and a happy, friendly environment because so much more gets done mm-hmm. that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like that's so much what I'm, I mean, that's what I, it's just what I believe in. So it's what I do naturally. Uh-huh. And it's so much what I'm doing on this current gig that I'm on because I'm also now company manager. And uh, last night I got promoted to director of production. Stacey. Oh, congratulations. Oh, nice. I was going to wait anyways, until next season for that one. I know. Well, I was going to wait till next season. And then we are editing the program last night. I was like, screw this. We're making the title change now. But <laughs> it's, it's so much it is so much about just like making them feel comfortable, you know, and it's, it's just going that extra couple steps, you know, printing, printing out something for somebody or, you know, making sure somebody has an umbrella or, you know, (laughs) that I mail a package for them because we're stuck on campus. You know, it's, it's just all those little things, but like you said, then they are free to work their magic on stage. Absolutely. Um, And as a stage manager, I feel like that about everybody in the the program that I'm working with uh, designers, technicians, everybody, if I make them comfortable, um, so I'm like texting my lighting designer right now. If I make him comfortable and give him as much as he needs or more than he needs, then he's just going to make everything much better next week. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And as a director, yeah, I mean, similarly, like I, I'm not super technical. I, like I told you, I got my undergrad in accounting, so I didn't take all of the lighting classes and mm-hmm. stage. I, 
that uh, most of my friends did, my BFA friends. But um, so, but when I work with tech people, I'm like, you're the expert. <laughs> Here's mm-hmm. my idea. Let's find a way to work together to make this fabulous. And 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 also going. I'm humble. I know that you have magic that I don't have, right? And my job is just to help incorporate that into my vision. And uh, it's stunning to me, not just actors, but what technicians can do when you give them a little guidelines and then you give them some freedom to play and then you give them like positive feedback Mm -hmm. and constructive Mm -hmm. feedback because I mean, there's always things you're like, I love this. Maybe can we change the color on this? You know, there's always that, but I feel like there's a way to do it. That's positive that everyone feels supported. And like, like you said, when people feel supported, their work gets better. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love what you said, because uh, uh, there's two directors that I've worked with in the last two years that similarly came from a performance background and are now directing um, both in opera because it's it's what I primarily work in. Mm-hmm. But they said the same thing. The more shows that they're directing now, the more they're learning to learning the language of the technicians. You know, the first one was like the first time I did a show, I had no idea what I was even talking about with lights. You know, he was like, I never even knew I had to think about lights. Like I knew what I wanted to do on stage. I knew what I wanted the performers to do from an acting perspective. Like even the set, you kind of know what you want that to look like. And then we got to queuing and he was just like, uh, I don't even know how to talk right now. <laughs> language. And I've now done three shows with him, you know, and it's just amazing to watch him grow because now he kind of yeah. knows what these different lights do. He kind of knows if he wants a front light or you know and so it's 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 fun to talk to directors who come from the different backgrounds and especially ones that you know weren't trained in it if you got a degree in it in school you're kind of trained to like learn those different areas but so many of us just come at it because we like it and not because we're trained (laughs) which leads me to one of the things well, go ahead. Which leads me to one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. You sure. do uh, your teaching and you mm-hmm. uh, do classes and things like that. So much of that or almost completely everything in that is based around actors. There's there's unless you go to like a convention or Opera America has a convention training, and they have a seminar or something. Yeah. Yeah. Training. But there's no training for crew people like you have to really search it out to learn how to use a new light or to learn a new um i don't know soundboard or something like that like there's not classes that are easily accessible like there are in acting and movement and voice what do you think about that do you think there should be more classes or is it is it something you can really do (laughs) you know here here i think there should be classes available all the time um I think that would be amazing. I understand why there aren't. And here, I'll tell you why. Um, For example, I mentioned that I teach period style. Um, I am, I mean, this is Chicago. There's 200 small theater companies and maybe more like 50 large ones. Lots of period style pieces being done. Um, A lot of actors who have had one class or no classes at all, people need this training, but they're not going to, they're not going to take it. Um, They don't have the money or every now and then you'll get a small handful of people that'll take it. I'll offer it. And then I'll get uh, just a couple of people that can take it because they're like, oh, oh, I got to do this and that. And so, so this, I think is why certain that you'd think the demand would be there, but it doesn't seem to be there as much. And every now and then I'll like, I'll wait a couple of years and be like, okay, I'm going to save up and I'm going to be talking about this class for two years and then I'll get enough people to do a class. But for some reason, actors, they want to take audition classes because that has a really obvious I benefit. Uh, movement classes mm-hmm. can be challenging too. Actors are like, I can move. Watch me move. And I'm like, oh yeah, I am on stage. <laughs> it's awkward. Yeah. And I want to help you. And I can if you take my class, but you're going to think it's weird because we roll around on the floor and we make a lot of weird noises and it will help your acting, but it's going to take you a while to figure that out. So what I I'll hate, say is- I it, hate those. <laughs> Right? It's crazy. And some people are like, ah, it's horrible. But uh, it really, to be an actor, you need to be able to free your body. And the work that I do does that. And and mo- some people are naturally free. I wasn't. Um, I am now, but like I've been doing this work for 20 plus years, right? And so my students are all like, you're really free. And I'm like, 
yeah, but I wasn't. I was a very uptight Southern girl, you have to understand. <laughs> and so I needed that work. And I believe that anybody with training can do it, but they have to study it. And and really, you either get it in a BFA or an MFA program. I don't, I mean, there are a couple sort of other movement type classes in Chicago outside of schools, but not much. And And even I have, I struggle each term to get people in my class. And the people that take it are like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And I have people that have been taking it for years and they just keep coming back. But it's, but then they go off and get work, which is great. <laughs> and they should. And that's the goal, right? But so I, I, this is why I think there aren't as many tech classes because there aren't, the demand is not there and the cost to put that on. That being said, I certainly think that if it, that's something that if it were organized on a larger scale, like in a Chicago or a New York or an LA or something, that you might draw people from other parts of the country and be like, hey, if you didn't get this class in school, because some people didn't, you know, I have friends mm -hmm. that didn't get stage manager training and they've been doing it, but they know that they're missing something, right? Because there is something that you learn in school. So to have, I mean, a lot of somethings that you learn in school, but to have a professional, somebody that's been officially trained teach those sort of classes, I think that is super important. And the trick is, is, you know, now with the internet, there's better possibilities of getting that out. Mm -hmm. So since in the past five years, I mean, 10 really, but five, we've really gotten good at communicating all over the place. Maybe we can organize things and, and actually get butts in the seats, as they say, right? Because I think that's the hardest thing. I mean, we struggle with that, just getting people come see theater. That's the yeah. other thing about Chicago with all of the theaters. It's hard to get. We have great shows. People are like, these are amazing. And there's 10 people in the audience. So I think the same so, thing with LA where we have a ton of theater, especially smaller theaters, but you think of LA and you think of uh, Hollywood and movies. And most people mm -hmm. out here, if they're going to go see a show, it's a $12 movie ticket and not a $30 theater ticket. Or you go to like the Amundsen and you see the tour, or you go to you know the Dorothy yeah the Pantages or, or yeah the Pantages yeah yeah even in Chicago they're like oh I'm gonna go see Hamilton and then there's really not much else I'm like are you kidding yeah there's yeah. so much else I mean yes Steppenwolf and the Goodman but go to a small theater and you can actually sit ten feet away from people and see them sweat and hear their ad libs and the thing is is that when you get people not theater people but like normal people not us yeah. but normal people. <laughs> And they go and you get a show that moves them. They're, they're converts, right? They're like, yeah. wow, I can't believe that you people do this. You know, of course, the first thing they say is, how do you memorize all those lines? But then they get past yeah. that and, and they're like... <laughs> I can't believe the things you're capable of doing. You know, I just got done doing a, a organic does a repertory season. So we do two shows at once that, uh, you know, uh, like Shakespeare festivals do and stuff, but mm -hmm. nobody in Chicago does anymore. I, and I, and I do understand why, <laughs> but it's also a really cool experience. And, um, and, you know, one of my colleagues, you know, that I see uh, on a day-to-day -day basis that isn't in the theater is like, how can you do two shows at once? How can you do be two different people? I'm like, well, I'm really three different people because <laughs> there's Laura the actor. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's it one informs the other. Is it easy? No, but boy, it's an interesting adventure. And the people that come see it really enjoy, you know, I played Marie Antoinette in one show, and then the next show, I'm like this, you know, 40-year-old uh over-medicated mom that ends up sort of killing her husband, maybe like just really crazy, <laughs> all different. And it's, it's, it's a really fun experience to see that and to see like live human beings doing that. Because if you wait a little bit longer, you can see that on Netflix, right on your living room couch. And that's, that's mm -hmm. easier. But, but the live theater, you, you can't get that anywhere else. And I don't know. I'm, I, I'm trying to convert people one by one, but it's, it's a slow process. <laughs> but yes, to, to roundabout answer your question, that's why I think there isn't that kind of training for tech because there, I mean, there's masses of actors in Chicago. Um, there, there's there a lot less yeah. tech folks, right? Because we're always looking for good tech folks, especially 
women in tech. I tell you, yes. like there's a huge push in Chicago to more women. And I'm sure it's all over the country. And I love that. And it's amazing. But sometimes you're like, I can't find anybody. And right, I'm I'm uh, non-equity. That's a choice that I've made because I'm allowed, I get to work more, right? Um, but, you know, finding stage managers or lighting people that if, if you're not associated with a company that's got those people sort of built in is hard. It's very hard. So we're hoping to get more of those. And who knows, maybe, you know, instituting sort of a, a class that comes around every couple of years or something might draw more people. I don't know. It's a fun idea to play with. Or at yeah. least get people interested in it or let them know that that option's avail uh, available to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's true because a, a lot of people don't always know what happens backstage. Like yep. you really do. Yeah, you see so the actors. Um, I had the yeah. good fortune early on in my career to not get cast in a play and have a, a, a stage manager colleague of mine said, you should stage manage this one. I'm like, what? I have no, I mean, I was like 18 or 19. I was very what, young. You have no idea what that community means. Community theater. I had no idea. And she's like, I will guide you through it. And so she basically, I mean, and I, I am certainly not really trained, but she guided me through it and I learned so much. And so I feel like I have an incredible respect for stage managers. You <laughs> know what I mean? That I, I, that not every actor has because you don't mm -hmm. fully understand until you're in somebody's shoes, I think. And so I, I, I love that idea of, of opening it up as an option. I mean, that might be something good, like in high schools and stuff, because a lot That's... of people are drawn to the theater, mm -hmm. but maybe get nervous on stage or that sort of thing. And, and for them to realize how many other things that you can do. And actually, frankly, it's a lot easier to make a living in technical theater than it is as an actor. I tell all my actors, if they can find something backstage that they can do, they'll probably work more. Yeah. I agree. Well, like, we started in high school, like I said, by kind of accident, being forced into it, getting tricked into it, however you want to say it. But the only classes they offered in high school were acting classes. And I think if yep. you became a senior and you took all the acting classes by the one teacher we had, you could do like a directing class for a semester. Oh, but there wow. were no tech classes. Our tech classes were we came in on built Saturday and built the set. And we right, just kind of right. had to figure out everything else after school, taught by the older students or being roughly given ideas by the the drama teacher uh, who was the director of the shows and all. But we were never trained in anything until we went to college. And even right. in college, uh, I we both went to small universities and my university, uh, University of Redlands, was a really small department. I think my graduating class was like eight people in theater. Wow. I had five. Wow. So, well, and that's in all of theater? In yeah, all just of theater. tech. No, no wow. that's in all that of theater. Very small. Yeah. So we got a lot of chances to do a lot of different things, but since uh -huh. it was such a small department, I took a yeah. set design class, theater history class, an acting class, but most of my training was I did work study in the shop. And my TD said, You're going to be a TD. Here, learn how to use. <laughs> You know, learn how to use uh, this light plot and learn how to yeah. use anything else. And here, you're going to be stage manager. You're stuck on the show. But we never had any, I never had any formal training in any of that. Everything has just been figured out as I go along. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Although I will say that that one-on-one -on -one training is is enormous. You know what it I is. mean? I, in in acting as well as the technical stuff, um, having somebody just really walk you through it and and mm -hmm. give you their expertise like that is is a really wonderful thing. So I, I do think that any sort of training is should be sort of a mix of that. But I I, I agree. It'd be nice to have at least some rudimentary training before somebody starts teaching you like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you know, never... you'd be like, I'm because I when she said stage manage this, I was like, how the hell can I do that? I don't know anything about stage managing. I'm just an actor. And uh, and she taught me, like I said, she taught me all that she knew. But I stage managed just like she would have. Uh, I have a question <laughs> about I know I learned about this in, in school or grad school, um, either one. But you in the beginning, you kept talking about the Meisner technique. Mm -hmm. What? Uh, how can it? you explain the Meisner technique and why that's the one that you you seem to be drawn to? 
Absolutely. About it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let me just give you a little bit of background. Um, Mm -hmm. Stanislavski, right? We Mm -hmm. all know Stanislavski, the father of modern day. So Stanislavski, Meissner is Stanislavski. Everybody brought, you know, over and was like, ah, this is great. We love Stanislavski. We got, you know, the method. And, but Meisner was like, okay, this Stanislavski stuff is, is awesome because it's all about truth and honesty. And, and it was realistic acting really for the first time. Right. But Meisner was like, I don't agree with all of the exercises that Stanislavski uses. I think I have a couple of exercises that might help more. So basically, he just came up with a couple of exercises, uh, two of them that you've probably heard of. One of them is the repetition, and I'll explain that. And then one of them is the activity. But the goal that Meisner had was to get people to be absolutely 100% in the moment, truthfully responding to their partner or other stimuli. Um, Actors have a tendency to get in their head, to think too much and all of that. And Meisner training is a great way to get out of your head because literally the, the repetition exercises trains you to focus on your partner and not yourself, which is super important. So, and it's, it's simple, but it's not right. It's really just listen, observe what you see, listen to what you hear and repeat exactly. So I say, you're wearing a blue sweatshirt and you say, I'm wearing a blue sweatshirt. And we repeat that back and forth. And eventually as the training goes on, it becomes something more interesting and I don't say interesting because it's not the job is not to be interesting, but it becomes interesting because we start speaking truth. I might say, hey, you're laughing at me, you know, and I'm starting to have real feelings and we have a real relationship. And it's about it's about Laura and Cynthia or Laura and Stacy and not Blanche and 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 Stanley. Right. It's truth. Right. Um, and so that repetition exercise and you do it over and over and and, and then people will be like, well, how, how do you use that when you go to an audition? I was like, I just look at my partner and then do what I'm trained to do. My body, it's not my brain. My body knows to stay focused and just to respond to everything they give me um, without thinking. If I'm thinking, oh, I should respond, then that response mm-hmm. becomes false, mm-hmm. right? And so so that's the, that's the main thing that I loved about Meisner. I ended up in Meisner because I had a teacher that said, you're smart. You're working, so you obviously know what you're doing, but your emotional connection is missing. And I was like, oh, you know, I was 27. I was like, okay. And um, I want to fix that. And they said, go to the Actors Center. They teach the best Meisner working class, and you should take classes there. And I went, okay. And I went and started taking it. And the first couple of classes, I was like, this is weird. <laughs> it's weird because it's you and you're feeling things. Right. But, you know, actors, you we like to, to feel sometimes. things. Yeah. I was like, I don't we don't, but I, t- <laughs> but I tell them, I was like, if you don't want to feel, you should go sell toothpaste. It's much more lucrative. <laughs> um, acting requires feeling. Um, and so, so I studied that for three years. And then, and th- the reason I went and studied Meisner further was because I followed my movement teacher and she taught a type of movement that was developed to go with Meisner. So that's really the background that I had. And then I went to a school where my teacher had studied with Sandy Meisner in New York. And so I just continued that study. And when I came out, I went back to the Actors Center and was teaching there. And so then when I left the Actors Center, I went to teach at another place called Act One Studios, where I taught in their Meisner program and I taught movement for them. And then when they closed, they'd been around for like 30 some years when they close, I just, for a while, I was like, I don't know. And then I, uh, I had some students who were like, nobody teaches movement, Laura, we need a movement class. And so I just started teaching my own movement class because I had students that wanted to take class. And then those students started going, wait, you teach Meissner too? And so I started offering a Meissner class after the movement class. And I mean, I didn't want to run. I don't, it's very small, but like, I really want to teach. I mean, I do teach adjunct at Oakton Community College, and there are a couple other schools that I teach at occasionally, but I really enjoy teaching professionals that are going out and auditioning and working in Chicago. That's the kind of training I started with, and I think it's super important. It's a great... 
it's a great way for people to get started. And, and then if you if you realize you're you're enjoying working professionally, you want to make your craft even deeper, then go to grad school, right? If that's what you mm -hmm. want. And that's kind of what I did. But I felt like there was always so much more to learn. And the Meisner work just, I mean, I took a bunch of classes before that. That's when it started to go, oh, this is this is working. <laughs> like I've gone from being a reasonably competent actor to somebody that's, you know, making some really interesting choices and lots of cool stuff happening. And 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 the movement work as well, because like I said, I was the same way. I was like, I can move. But once I started to be able to free my body, I realized how bound up I was. I mean, it's not our fault. We live in a society which is constantly going, be quiet, shut up, don't Stop be loud, up. don't yeah. be big, you know? Yeah. And so we shut ourselves down. Also, you know, people are like, don't cry, don't laugh, all of those things. We shut all of that down and we lock it in our bodies. Well, in order to be an actor, we have to express that. And so we have to find ways to unlock our bodies and to be comfortable being ourselves in our bodies. The other thing that I, I find hard I about- I just had someone tell me yesterday that he was like, you just have to be comfortable with who you are. And I was like, that is very easy for you to say, but I'm still working on that. <laughs> yeah, well, easy to say, not so easy to do. working on it. Yeah. <laughs> We're all working on it and none of us are perfect. But what I will say is that movement work, whether you use it just as a human being or for an actor, because I've also taken movement classes that were not geared towards acting, mm -hmm. it it helps you immensely to kind of mm -hmm. figure out who you are and what you care about and and to let go of your ideas of what is right and what is cool. I mean, cool is a huge thing. We all grew up needing to be cool. And as we get older and more mature and more confident in our work, we are less interested in being cool. But like you as an actor, you've got to let go of all cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to make a fool of yourself on stage every night. That's our job, right? Or not always, but in most roles, you have to let go and be vulnerable and show us, show us your dirty laundry, show us yourself emotionally naked, all of that stuff. And our bodies protect us from that vulnerability. So we have to learn to free them up so that we can go, okay, this is a safe place to open that up. This is a safe place to let that go. And so I try to provide a safe space where people start to get to know who they are in their bodies. And it's mostly physical, but there's some vocal work as well, because we make a lot of sounds and whoa, and people are like, oh, you're so loud. I know. But it's because, <laughs> it's because, I mean, I didn't used to be, I just spent years of going, hey, it's fun to make sound. I mean, if you watch children, children are amazing because they have no apologies. They just, they they make noises just to hear themselves make noise. They play so with things. Cindy they has a niece who things. likes to scream. She still likes to scream. Yeah. She was very loud last weekend. <laughs> so I try to, I mean, I actually make my actors watch children. I, I make them observe children and I have them come back into class and say, okay, what did you learn? And how did this help you as an actor? And they're all like, oh, wow, if I could only be that free. And I'm like, exactly. And of course, we'll never be that free. We're not children. We are grownups. We don't want to be that free. <laughs> I don't want people on the CTA touching my hair, even though there are right. many people I, whose hair I've wanted to touch. I go, I'm a grown up. That's bad. I don't do that. Right. So we need boundaries yeah. and we teach children boundaries and that's important. But we also have to learn in a safe space, like in a theater, in a rehearsal, where you can open up those boundaries and allow that freedom and that play. And I would argue that most of the best actors that I know personally, and that at least the ones I see on screen that I really like, are really, really playful. And they're free, and they just allow themselves to do all sorts of crazy things. And and that they do that because they feel confident that they can do something stupid and still be themselves and still be okay with it. And, and so that's the kind of movement work that I teach. And I, I teach it because it changed me. Like it just made me feel so much better about myself and my acting. So I, I try to pass that on to everyone. You, you gave us earlier an example of the Meisner technique um, with the, the repeat. Uh -huh. But what is what are some like movement examples? Is that easy to, to verbally give? Well, yeah, I can I can explain my movement classes and like stuff uh -huh. I did and stuff that I really connected yeah. to, but I can't remember what that, that was, what like what uh style it was at the moment. Sure. So, 
Sure. Let me, the core work in uh, Williamson technique, which is I draw from both Williamson and Rudolf Laban teaching or uh, Laban. Ah, yes, that you've probably heard of that one. That yeah. I know. Yes. Yeah. Wait, wait, and Williamson basically Bart. Laban. Or yeah, Laban. I love that one. My teacher said Laba. Everybody says it their own way. But um, so so Lloyd Williamson, who studied at the um the um Sandy Meisner's school, the neighborhood playhouse, said, Wow, these actors are doing great stuff, but they're trapped in their bodies. And he was a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he said, What can I do? How can I develop something like this repetition exercise that they can do with their bodies? And so, so one of the things that Laban did was he created this. He just looked at how people moved and said, Oh, you're moving like this. And one of the things he did was uh, dimensions. He said, We've got vertical dimension, and we've got the horizontal dimension, and then we've got sagittal, which is front and back, right? So if you mm-hmm. take those, you can move. And I'll, there's a number of plenty of other ways you can move. But if you just take those six ways and you start to connect them, there's this thing called the shape flow. And you start out on the floor. Yes, this is the one that I love. Yes. Okay. Yes, it's great. And I've you know, different you schools will. <laughs> Different schools will teach it differently. Like some schools call it movement with music, but Williamson's version is called shape flow. And literally you're flowing from one shape to another. And it starts off specifically with the dimensions. But after a while, it's just you responding to the music. Then I actually go further with that and and introduce like a fantasy element. So I'm like, okay, today we're on a beach. And so what's the surface of your beach light? So you're rolling around, you know, is it soft? Is it hard? Is it warm? And then we explore all of our senses. What do you see here on the beach? Um, What do you smell? What sort of sounds are there? So we flow through all of that. And then, of course, I also like to throw in props. So I have a big bag of scarves that I throw in and everybody's like touching scarves and rolling around. And there's sometimes interaction between people, but also sometimes not sort of depending on where you personal thing and I make it very clear you can play with somebody choose to play with somebody or choose to not play with somebody and the one thing I say over and over is I make them say I have no apologies which is sort of a great mantra for all of us in the world uh-huh. yeah. Uh, yeah. I and, find myself and, every day and being I like that, I don't have to apologize for that I do not have to apologize for that, that well was my- Americans Americans apologize a lot Europeans yeah. don't well, we should much, right now <laughs> There's plenty of things for Americans to apologize for. Can't even. Yeah, it's terrifying. But uh, Americans, we apologize a lot. So in this work, it's really helpful. And I say the first couple of times you say it, you're not going to feel it. It's going to feel false. But just just say it. And after a while, people say that's their favorite thing is like just yelling out, I have no apologies and letting your body stretch free. And then just like sometimes we'll just lie down and have a temper tantrum or just anyway. So there's all sorts of things involved in the shape flow, but that's really the core of that work. And then I, I, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I do, but that, that, to me is the thing that helps you free your body the most because you start exploring what if I move my arm here oh that feels weird but the next week you try it it feels a little less weird and and then by the end of it you get more of a vocabulary with your body because Mm -hmm. we can all play ourselves right but (laughs) but we want to be able to I mean, but even that's hard, right? I, yeah. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Sometimes I could do it a lot easier than other times. And sometimes I'm just like, why am I so awkward in this moment? I don't even know how to stand here right now. Like, it's just feels weird. Exactly. And, and once you do the movement work and get more comfortable in your body, standing in front of people and talking or doing a monologue is like, I don't have to think, what do I do with my hands? My hands know what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal is to get it into your body rather than in your brain. Similar to the Meisner, it's get you out of your brain and into your body. And and the great thing is, is it's not like school where you have to memorize things. No, it's in your body and your body retains. So it's habit, good habits that you keep. And I love that because I don't like memorizing things. I can. I'm good at it. I mean, I can memorize lines, but I don't want to memorize, you know, that's not my favorite kind of school. My favorite kind of school is do, right? And that's why this stuff works really well for me and, and seems to work well for most of the people that I've worked with every now and then you get somebody like, that's just too weird for me. And I'm like, okay, there you go. That's, this is not for you. I actually had that reaction because in in college I was a, Stacey and I both went to small colleges and obviously I wanted to do technical theater. I I realized that pretty early 
early on. But because of the colleges we went to, we were both forced to take acting classes. Mm-hmm. And I had to take a, either a movement class or a dance class. And almost everybody took dance classes. And me and the my ASM, Caitlin, um, tried really hard to get out of it and they wouldn't let us. So we we took this movement class together. And it was so difficult, especially being a stage manager and being who I am, you know, it's like, I, I can't stand here and scream. I have a really hard time doing some of these movements. I don't feel comfortable doing this stuff. And, but it was really awesome, probably because I was so comfortable with the people that I was with and I had Caitlin with me. And, but by the end of it, it you, you definitely feel your body looser. I mean, by like the end of the semester, you know, right. I did feel much looser and I was kind of looking forward to these classes because they were kind of relaxing and one of my favorite ones was starfish, which is a little bit what you're talking about. But we like would lay on the floor and she would say like the movement would come from one part of your body and go up to the other side. And I, you know, this was like 12 years ago, so I can't remember it very well, you know, but you would have to curl into a ball, but by using one part of your body first. So it would like start in your chest and then you would curl in, or maybe it starts in your right hand and you curl towards your right hand. Awesome. We would just spend like 45 minutes laying on the floor, like doing these movements all <laughs> over the floor. But it was kind of the best part of the day. Cause as a stage manager, I would be so stressed about everything else. And my mind is always like planning the next step. And so to do, be forced to do these movements, yeah. like you said, you're out of your head. You're not thinking about it because my whole focus was, well, if I, the energy is coming from my hand, how does the rest of my body respond? And it just became totally physical. And it's, you know, every now and Which... then I just lay on the floor and do it. <laughs> yeah, you should. It frees your mind, though. Yeah. Once you free your mind, your mind goes, ah, oh, I can relax and breathe, you know? Yeah. And it's such a wonderful thing. And I, I do know because I, I, I have taught, you know, MFAs all the way down to people that aren't even actors. And sometimes in the same class, which is challenging. I like to, I like to do mood lighting and I like to be like, you know, this is your, like in yoga, this is your practice. All I ask is that you keep moving you. And, and I also have them keep their eyes sort of at half mass. It's like, nobody's looking at you. Nobody mm-hmm. can really see you, you know? And I, I just try to just make it as comfortable as possible. I get into my most sort of nurturing maternal mode. And, um, and I find that again, some some people can only move a little bit, but for them, just moving that far is huge. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I think I really do believe that this can. I, I've had also students that came took the class were like, oh, "This isn't for me." Came back a year later and were like, "Okay, I'm ready now." Um, so you know, it, it's I don't know. It's it's a really wonderful frame. I can't. I can't stop teaching it. I miss it when I'm not teaching it. Like I, I've been out of class because I had to, I had to take off to perform because we had Saturday matinees and uh, I have, I mean, I do a warm up, of course, but it's not the same <laughs> and I miss it. I'm like, I need shape flow really badly. <laughs> so, <laughs> really do start to become addicted to it. And, and like, if I'm around music, like my body will just start like moving and people will be like, mm-hmm. well, are you okay? And I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not even aware that I'm moving because it's so unconscious now that I just respond. And, you know, in a job interview, that can be awkward, but nine times out of 10, if it's a movement teacher job interview, it's okay. You know, most it's, of the time fine, yeah. in my yeah, life, it's fine. It's fine you know? <laughs> I work Makes- in opera. So in my life, it's fine too. I do it all- Today we had an orchestra rehearsal and in the middle of orchestra rehearsal, I was like, yeah. you know, and I'm like, the cellist look at me and I'm like, what? You're playing music. I'm moving to the music. Right. Which is another thing <laughs> I think awesome. kids, kids are great at. They they feel the music and they dance and they're not concerned about looking like an idiot. They just bounce their nope. butt up and down, sway around. Absolutely. No apologies. It's so beautiful. And we can't get there, but we can get further than our bodies have been trained to shut down to do, right? We can un- unwrap that package, so to speak, and and learn to play again. Yeah. I kind of creative- just want to type up. What do you keep saying? No apologies. Yeah. I, I wrote it down in my notes and highlighted it. I have no apologies. Well, excellent. So, like Stacy knows this, but I had a really difficult meeting Friday or Saturday. Friday, Saturday I took off. Friday, you know, and and I came out of the meeting and I was so angry, but I was like, I have nothing to apologize for. This was, you know, like 
this person attacked me and I automatically went on the defensive. And I was like, this is not like, I'm not apologizing for who I am. I'm not apologizing for the fact that I'm a female and I know what I'm doing. And you feel threatened by that. Mm. Like, I'm not coming back on Monday apologizing to you. And I will wear a dress if I want to wear a dress. And I will continue to tell you what to do because I am the boss here. But, you know, you're just automatically trained to, you know, be in the situation where all, you feel like you have to apologize for it, Absolutely. you know, and I, and I mm-hmm. called some people and I called my friend and my friend's like, what are you talking about? This is not about you. This is his problem. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is his problem. Yeah. So I just, I, yeah, I, I kind of want to go scream that at him. Saying right now. that I mean, mantra that. in your head a lot is helpful. <laughs> it's yeah. incredibly helpful. Yeah. I'm going to add that to my mantras because I, I have a lot of them that I repeat. Already. Good, good. <laughs> that one now too yeah and I always write it in no cap and all caps with a couple exclamation points right because <laughs> it's really uh, important it is yeah. absolutely and I also make my students yell it pretty loudly <laughs> like I, I said they don't always feel it the first time but they do by the end they absolutely mm-hmm. do and it's really stunning to see <laughs> I'm gonna type that out <laughs> it's in the notes I'm gonna I'm going to yeah. <laughs> email you these notes and two things are highlighted. Part of my job is to make an actor feel safe and I have no apologies, all caps and a few exclamations. What it's awesome. Like. Awesome. Yeah. You've, you've gotten some of my most important ideas. Yes. Yep, perfect. <laughs> for sure. That's what I'm going for. Uh, so we're getting Excellent. close to the hour. So I think I warned you in the email. Uh, sometimes we forget to warn people. Do you got any good oh. twin stories? I do. I mean, okay, they're not completely theater related, but oh, I'm no, going to tie it into the theater. So when I was a kid, the I had twins that lived down the street from me, Sarah and Elizabeth Bradshaw, and they were my best friends. And awesome. we did everything together. And one of my favorite memories of something that we did, and I'm going to date myself with this, but we used <laughs> to listen to uh, Barry Manilow's Copacabana and like act it out. And like there was a, a Nerf football that was Tony uh, that that sailed across the bar and then, then somebody would die. Anyway, that I like to think of that as some of my first acting work <laughs> nice. I was like seven or eight. but Sarah and Elizabeth Bradshaw were like my best friends and I I could totally tell them apart they were very very different I had for people that would be like there's they look exactly like I was like what is wrong with you they look totally different They're two different today. people yeah exactly and they had very unique different personalities but um mm-hmm. I just thought they were awesome and anyway so that's my twin story I tried to try to tie it in with some theater <laughs> very mental it's always a little embarrassing but also fun <laughs> uh but I'm pretty well twin and I know this song pretty well but we know the Weird Al song version of it uh <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a Star Wars awesome. one. So it's a Star Wars one. Yeah, at the I did not know that there was a Star Wars one. I'm gonna have to find that and listen to it. Oh yeah, I love Al. Weird Al. <laughs> Weird Al, man, he can do everything, well, and he has a. He's pretty awesome. He he is amazing. The, the skills but, he has on changing oh. his voice and getting into different characters and mimicking different people's music, and then being able to write all of his own music on top of that is impressive. Right? And he's been doing it for what, like thirty or forty years? It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, I will also performs. just to plug Barry Manilow. The the original song is delightfully melodramatic. If you ever have a chance to just listen to it, it's kind of delightful. I mean, it's one of those songs that you're like, oh, it's ridiculous. It's a great <laughs> song for like seven year olds to act out. Lots of drama. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was always drawn to the dramatic songs. Hmm. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> you know, you were here from an early now. age. Uh, that's excellent. Uh, so, Twin, do you have any other questions? Or I, I actually had one other question, just because sure. I'm so excited about this Meisner thing. Are there any books that you would recommend or anything? Like, I know there's books because I've read multiple books, but... Did you learn from books or do you read those books or is it mostly just like hands-on and, and taking the classes for you? I will say that the best books are, are transcripts of classes. <laughs> um, so Sandy Meisner has a book that I, I believe somebody helped him write. And I, I read that while I was sort of in my training process. And it's a good read, but 
if you ever have a chance to go and sit in on a Meisner class, which I don't think should be that hard. I mean, in New York and California, I'm sure there's tons of them. Right. Um, and yeah, and just ask to sit in and observe um, because I think that a good teacher can show you. And once you've seen it in action, when you read a little bit, it'll make a little more sense. But Got that it. is the best one. There's uh, there's one, I'm, I'm trying not to say, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy that I really like. I don't know. I'll have to find it and I'll, I'll email you, okay. you guys. There's Because there's one guy that wrote a set of books that I don't like. And then there's another guy that wrote a set of books that I do like. You know, with any master teacher, everybody that teaches under sort of does their own version. And I'm sure mm -hmm. my version is, you know, several generations removed. Um, but I, I really like the one that's coming out of this one guy and I'll have to, I'll have to find it for you. Cause I, I like those too. And it's interesting. It, it really, it's, but they're all transcripts really. They sort of lay out what the sort of the, some of the, the exercises are, but you really mm -hmm. just sort of read transcripts of how they practice those exercises. And I'm sure mm -hmm. they're, they're doctored up to make them, you know, to make the point and you see the students making the mistake more obviously, but you see that really, really clearly in a class too. So if you ever have a chance to go <laughs> and observe it, it's certainly worthwhile. And if you ever find yourself in Chicago, you let me know. We can come roll around on the floor. I'll turn the lights down really low. And I actually was just talking to a friend today who's in Chicago and I was like, I really want to come visit you. So we're trying to figure out if I could get like a weekend yeah. in October to go and visit. And yeah. that, would be, that would be awesome. So you would totally love that as well. Do you teach yeah. classes through, uh, you said... Uh, what there was a couple schools. I wrote down one, but I can't so find it. So oh, I currently, at... <laughs> I currently, t I'm a, on the adjunct faculty at Oakton Community College. Okay. Um, but the classes that are the most accessible are the ones that I just teach for myself. There's a a a, a, a place called the Athenaeum in Chicago that has a bunch of theaters and a bunch of classrooms, and I I teach in a a dance classroom it it's actually a music room there's a nice little carpeted floor and we're cozy <laughs> there um i again i just sort of found a place and started teaching there were there have been a number of schools in chicago over the years and i've i probably taught about 12 years at different established schools but once the last one that i was with closed i haven't reached out uh, i haven't found another place to teach yet so i just teach for myself right now and who knows so yes, do they go to that site or do you have a site? How do they find you and say, I want to take a class with you? Okay. So my website is um, laurasturm.com. Um, and it's sort of, you'll see it's under construction, but it's got a contact page. So it, it, it's, it has my headshot and it's got some stuff about me. And then it's got a contact page. And then in the next, I just finished doing three shows and <laughs> that yep, is my sometime. goal for the fall is to finish that website. <laughs> you know what it's like when you're performing and producing and doing all of those things. And I, uh, yeah, some yeah, of the I'm things my fall behind. Third, my third contract in a row, I had four contracts that all had like three to five days off in between, you know, which aren't really days off. It's fly home, do the laundry, pack my bag and go off again so I was just talking to my friends here and I'm like okay I'm like two and a half shows done I'm halfway through this contract I have one more off of this but so yeah I, like my website's not up to date I can't post on social media because I'm so exhausted I haven't even started looking for more jobs because it's just you know yeah, yeah. my kitchen's yeah, no, overrun I, with ants right now but I'm like I don't have time to deal with ants I got to get contracts out for the current show <laughs> yep yeah, that's, yeah, what's burning the most, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes, but yes, back. you can totally reach me. And and then this Gmail address, if, I mean, I, I think that my website will connect to that. So yeah, if, if you want to reference that website, then that'll, that'll direct anybody towards me. Excellent. And I know you have a Facebook page. Uh, actually, we met through a Facebook post. Do you have an Instagram or a Twitter or anything else people can follow I you? I am or... not that cool right now. <laughs> okay, that, that works. Cindy and I only started I in January. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I. <laughs> well, we have you a know, joint my one. husband. My husband's always like, "Oh, you should be tweeting out an acting tip a day," and I'm like, "That's a brilliant idea." Uh -huh. <laughs> but that's a lot of work. <laughs> right. It, it is. One day, one day, I was like, yeah, one day when, when I don't have to work the six different jobs, that, that yeah. can happen. Yeah. That's <laughs> and right. who knows? It could happen soon. <laughs> yeah. 
with the joint page, it's Cindy and I and my husband all have access to the Facebook and Instagram. And so I post things and occasionally Cindy posts things and occasionally my husband posts things and occasionally I repost something that Cindy's doing because the Teatro Nuevo people are very good at uh, posting things. And I'm like, this is what Cindy's doing, even though she did not post this. But yeah, it's three of us to try to keep updated on social media. Yeah, I believe it. It's a lot of work. (laughs) It is. It's constant work. Okay, well, I think... uh, Got a ton of information. I'm definitely going to tag your face, your uh, website on everything. And, you know, awesome. no apologies, I think, might be the main thing that we <laughs> post on everything. Because, excellent. Everybody needs to learn how to do that more. Well, you guys, it's such a pleasure talking to you. I, I, I reached out because I just... It's exciting to talk to people. I mean, Chicago's got a great theater community, but it's exciting to talk to people across the country and and sort of share. I feel like we all have a lot of similarities and we're all dealing with Mm -hmm. very similar things, but, you know, sort of in different packages. So I just think it's great to connect across the country. And I was really excited to get to meet you guys and chat with you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You too. It's It's always We started with just people we knew. And then as we branch out, we're like, oh, people we don't know want to talk to us. That's excellent. We don't need to try to bribe all of our friends to be on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. Still working on something. Hey, you got to start somewhere. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think, uh, yeah, we're going to take off. I need to make sure that I'm cleaned up downstairs on the stage and get back in the LA traffic. I'm sure Cindy has about six more hours of paperwork to work on. (laughs) Good luck to you all. I think I'm going to have a beer. Nice. <laughs> That's my plan. <laughs> I approve of that plan completely. Yes. <laughs> all my sweet mates it's... have gin out right now. So once I open yeah. that door, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> there you go. In the tradition of theater everywhere. Yep. Everybody <laughs> drinks. There's the reason for that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> ladies. Well, it has been such a pleasure and good luck with everything. And I hope you. to catch up with you again one of these days. Yeah, yeah you I hope too. So. Thank you so much, Laura. Oh, you're welcome. You take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Toto Music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of incomtech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.